Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, we're live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com. List in your boy number 104. It feels like it's been like a month since we've done a show, Jimmy. <laughs> That's because you love me and miss me. Yeah, yeah, it must be it. It's last literally week, been one week, Sean. We missed one week. I know. Last week we did the uh, Fightful's Funniest Moments. Me, uh, Warren, and Jeff did the completely, I can't remember the name of it. It was something ridiculous. But we did an award show that meant absolutely nothing, which was mm-hmm. a lot of fun, actually. So we had lots of stuff up there. And now we're kicking off Wrestle Kingdom week. It is it is wild. There's a lot going on considering that it's just the holidays have just ended. Yeah. So oh, for, yeah. first and foremost, uh, so Happy New Year to all of our listeners and to Sean and Nigel and everybody here. What uh, what'd you do for New Year's, man? I went out with some friends, uh, with some old teammates, just went uh, out of my hometown. And That's then, cool. Oh, you know, you know what else I did? A live stream at four in the morning because... Because Cody of what Rose. happened, which we're going to get into. Yeah. yeah which we're going to get into. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about today is uh, I made a little promise back in August on this podcast, and uh, we have a clip of it. Uh, air the clip from this podcast. I think this was on August 8th. Go ahead, Nigel. Yes. You were talking about milestones. I don't know if you were talking about Fightful Select Milestone, Sean, or if you were talking about YouTube subscribers. Well, but you were we, talking about 10,000 subs, 4 million views, 100,000 on the Raw show. Okay, but you were talking something about about milestones. And so Chris at Chris4782357 on Twitter, he, oh, sent, wow. he sent me this question. What milestone would it take for Jimmy Van to sing Stephanie's entrance music? <laughs> I have an answer for you. My answer is 25,000 YouTube subscribers or 100 Fightful Select members. Hey, you know what? Those are reachable. Those are Those attainable. are reachable. I thought you were going to say something like, Sean Rossat drains the Ohio River or something oh, like that. No, 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 no. If, uh... if and when we get to 25,000 YouTube subscribers or 100 Fightful Select members, I will uh, do at least a verse 
of Stephanie McMahon's entrance music Which on the Listen Your Boy podcast. So if I was going to be technical, actually, before before we move on, on Christmas Day, Sean Rossat posted this on Twitter. Nigel, you got the screenshot of what Sean posted on Twitter? Yep. So somebody named Martin McGreskin, <laughs> who, it wouldn't surprise me if they're a.k.a. Sean Rossat. It's not. It's wouldn't not. surprise me. <laughs> If it was, if it was, you'd be able to tell them my next invoice because I would expense it. I'm sure you would. <laughs> they purchased four memberships in order to get us over top so that we hit 100. Now, if I was going to be technical, we quite quickly after that dropped back down below 100. Yeah, at the end, uh, and, are, the end and we're of the below month. 100 now. But technically, we hit 100, and so that means that I will perform Stephen McMahon's entrance music. I'm going to work on it with Nigel because i got to get the rhythm and lyrics down. Hey, you got to do provide context. People are going to go, why'd you dip below 100? It's Fightful dying. No, it's end of the month. Credit cards expire. Do people think that stuff? Oh, yeah. We, we have oh, weirdos, good Lord. man. Good Lord. You know, we got these media watchdogs, man. But uh-huh. no, at the, at the end of each month, we lose, I think, roughly 6 to 7%. One yeah, month, Patreon messed up, if you remember, yes. and we lost like like... 20 to 25 percent well other some other outlets that really rely on it they were freaking out they should and you and i were just kind of chuckling because i don't rely on it but it's it's just a nice little thing to have but uh i will uh i will get it done uh bear with me i'm going to need a couple weeks in order to get it down and then it'll get done yeah um but guys we had probably since launch our most successful like advancement in subscribers over the Christmas holidays, which I was not expecting at That's all. That's because Martin McGreskin got four of them. And I'm talking besides that. There was like oh. a big push, and I want to thank you guys for that. We do a lot of great stuff there. I have a weekly show called The Fightful Report where I talk a lot of exclusive news before the weekly drops. We've got dark match commentary. We've got back-in-the-day clips, including one coming up that I posted of you, Jimmy. Yeah. On Twitter it. that I tracked down. Did you see this night? Okay, you Googled my name on YouTube. Are you sure? No, I don't think I YouTube? did. That's what you did. I sure did. Yeah, I saw it. That was from 97, 96, I think. 96? Are you yeah. sure it wasn't like 06? Uh, let me think about it. Actually, you're right. It was 06. Yeah. <laughs> it was 06. Thinking, I, knew, I knew there was a 6 on it. I had the, yeah, you're right. It was 06. Well, I, I'm glad that you no-sold that video that I sent you. Oh, Complete. what did you want me to do? What did you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, you got to no sell it. It's like somebody on on Twitter was like, "Hey, I want to know what Jimmy Van thinks about what Vince Russo said about Fightful." What the what, what do I give was, a shit? It was I don't a care. From August too. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just don't care. So it's like, whatever. Like, man, I've literally talked to Vince several times since that that yeah, aired. Yeah, I know. I talked to him about getting your mask done since then. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've... right around the same time as that. Now that I think about it. The reason I started to do those back-in-the-day clips on our Fightful Select is because people would dig up old stuff that I did. Like, I've, I've if you find my old stuff, I've come a long way in trying to drop the accent and talk a little bit faster. You were so telling me like, that. To me, you sound the same, but I've, I've only known oh, you. Oh, no, for... no, no. If you, you, watch, you watch the stuff from seven years ago, and you'll be like, oh, okay. Really? That's a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. You know, lots well, of you cool go. stuff on Fightful Select. Go check it out, guys. Let's move on and talk about Mean Gene Okerlund. We're doing yeah. this on January 2nd, and uh, it was announced this morning that me and Gene Okerlund passed away this morning at the age of 76. Uh, he and I have a very close mutual friend, uh, and I reached out to the mutual friend for comment uh, and, and to kind of find out what happened. He hadn't heard yet what the cause was and was going to let me know. 
All we know about Mean Gene is that he had two kidney transplants, one I believe in 95, one in 2004. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that he was a notorious drinker even after those transplants. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate thing, 76. He was still doing appearances as of a month ago. He did uh, WrestleCade in North Carolina a month ago. Uh, so it's a sad thing. As a wrestling fan, Mean Gene Okerlund was a, a pretty major part of my childhood. He was as big a celebrity as a lot of the guys that he interviewed back in the day. And uh, and he'll be missed. He had, a, he had a hell of a life, a hell of a run. And uh, everybody that was a wrestling fan in the 80s or 90s, you, all you had to do was hear the voice. You didn't have to see him. And you knew you that didn't even Gene have to hear his voice. You could hear the voice of the person interviewing him. Right. Because it was an honor to say Mean Gene's name. Yes. And yes. how many people can you say that about? I'm curious, Nigel, as a non-wrestling fan, do you know the name Mean Gene Okerlund? I do not, actually. Mean Gene? No? Wow. Okay. Well, in, in, in the wrestling world, he was a major, majorly known guy. It's, it's been all over the news today that we're doing this, January 2nd. Uh, and a lot of the major outlets are, uh, are talking about it. Uh, Hulk Hogan kind of made the Mean Gene nickname popular and made it famous. Jesse the Body Ventura is actually the guy that came up with the nickname Mean Gene. But Hulk Hogan made it famous. And, uh, yeah, what a run he had. What a run and what a talent. Mean as Gene good Oakland as the was. chemistry between Hogan and Mean Gene were. By the way, Mean Gene 4-0 in pro wrestling. He teamed with Hogan to beat Mr. Fuji and... Uh, George I, the I Animal Steel. George the Animal Steel. Yeah, I remember but that. I would argue that Mean Gene's best chemistry was with Ric Flair. Who would just go, Mean Woo Gene! During the WCW days, I think those are some of Ric Flair's most underrated promos. You had him interviewing the NWO as they formed at yes. Bash at the Beach. That is a historic one. And one that, that often goes overlooked and will not today because I, I've seen it blow up. Uh, Chris Zellner posted it. Mean Gene selling Hulk Hogan's injuries to Earth from Earthquake. Yes. Boy, they were... They you did the right about- end. Do you remember that? They, 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 and, and Hogan like was sent thousands of cards, get well cards by fans. WWE wanted a mailing list. Right. And it's then the they sent it, they sent out a generic, you know, Hogan postcard with like a stamped autograph on it. Yeah. You know, I but mean, that's, I, I, I personally, uh, as great as Flair and Mean Gene were, I, I always will think of Hogan and Mean Gene. Yes, because sure. uh, because in the 80s before, uh, Oakland went to WCW, in WCW, I found he was more subdued. And he was more serious. In WWE, that's when he did more of the comical stuff and, and the gobbledygooker thing. And he's, you know, square dancing with the thing in the ring and, and all that. And, uh, and, and one, I saw you post on social media about tell me some of your favorite Mean Gene Okerlund memories or whatever. To me, they're the screw-ups are my favorite. <laughs> because, because a lot of people might not know this, but Mean Gene Okerlund off camera, he had a very dirty mind. Yes. Uh, and he had, and a, had a very dirty sense of humor, and he was a big drinker. And so uh, some of my favorites were when there were bloopers, like, for example, SummerSlam, I think it might have been 88, and the, the logo fell off the wall when he was interviewing Rick Rude. And Oakland goes, ah, fuck it. And this is on live pay-per-view. So they cut away. Then one time he's doing an interview, I think it was with the Iron Sheik. And the Iron Sheik referred to him as an intelligent American Jew. And Okerlund just started howling, like 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 on the air when he said it. Those are some of my favorite moments with Mean Gene Okerlund. And have you ever seen? There was a movie uh, based on The Exorcist, and it was a comedy movie. I forget the name of it. And the 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 girl that played the uh, the possessed person in The Exorcist 
uh, Linda Blair, Linda Blair. Was that her name? Yeah. So as a grown-up, she was a star of this comedy thing, and they had a little wrestling element where they had Mean Gene and Jesse Ventura doing commentary for a supposed wrestling match Linda Blair was having. And I will never forget because I was still like a young teenage wrestling fan when I saw that. And there's Mean Gene Okerlund, and this is a direct quote talking about Linda Blair on commentary. He goes, nice tits, sure, but a, wow. face, you wouldn't, but a face you wouldn't wipe your feet on. Mean Gene Okerlund Ooh, said boy. that. He said that in the movie, if you go back and look. Well, and that uh, was young, that was Mean Gene Okerlund off camera. That's how he was. You know, we we do have a lot of fans who, quite frankly, were born after the new millennium who know Mean Gene Okerlund as the guy with, uh, um, gosh, who's Kevin Hart in the Mountain Dew Kickstart commercials. Right. I saw him identified as that, and I was like, whoa, that's really? wild. Yeah. He was identified was as like, that. Man, that's... That's wild, and he still does some stuff or did some stuff with WWE as recently as this week, hosting right. shows with Charlie Caruso. He was on Raw 25 with AJ Styles, but right. uh, he, I mean, he had kidney problems his whole life too. Uh, we don't have a yeah. cause of death or anything like that, but I think he had two kidney transplants. He had two, I think one ninety five, one two thousand four, and he, I know for a fact that he continued to drink after both those transplants. Oh, that's rough, man. Yeah. That's rough. He was the voice of Storytime on the network. He had a big network presence, right? Because they they would have, I mean, they they really made use of Mean Gene Okerlund in in that regard. Because he was on Legends House, he and Pat Patterson sneaking yep. out to go get drunk, actually. Of, of there the you Legends go, House, and that was long after the second kidney transplant. Yeah, and I have <laughs> uh, a retro review coming up, which we filmed actually last month of WrestleMania 20, where he and Bobby Heenan were were featured, and they came out. Uh, they emerged from a closet after making out with Mae Young and Moolah. So, uh, man, it's... He and Bobby Heenan had great chemistry, too. They sure did. Although Bobby Heenan had great chemistry with just about everybody, but uh, they had great chemistry. So, yeah, but like I said, he was just a a legendary figure from my childhood in pro wrestling. So he will be missed. I saw an interview with DDP on TMZ this morning, and he got all choked up talking about me and Gene Okerlund. And he's another one of those guys you're not going to hear too much negativity about. Yeah. You know, there's certain guys that when they pass and when they're remembered, like Dynamite Kid, with all due respect to him, a lot of people didn't have kind things to say about him. Sure. But Mean Gene Oakland, you're not going to hear much of that, if anything at all. You know, he was a beloved yeah. guy. I also liked in the WCW days where he would meet people as they were exiting the ring and interview them. I thought right. that was a nice touch, a good touch. Uh, he will be missed. That's that's a, a big bummer. Let's move on uh, and talk about something. So it was at the strike of midnight, Pacific time, Sean. Do we even I, have time to go into this before? We'll start it. We'll start okay. it, and then and then we'll maybe you can even move the interview off, or depending on the time, okay. we'll just cut the interview for this week. Because this is no, a big no, no, story. no, no. I, I got to run these. I got them backed up at this point. All right, all right. Well, we'll, we'll you can pick your you pick your spot. It was the strike of midnight Pacific time, which is notable, and we're going to talk about that too. When uh, Mr. Dave Meltzer did an audio cast, he's in Japan for Wrestle Kingdom, but he did an audio cast to publicly kind of confirm the launch of All Elite Wrestling. Uh, most of what was said we already kind of knew based on trademarks that were filed, based on you know Cody Rhodes being at the Jaguars game. But now everything has kind of come out officially, and Cody Rhodes has posted a lot of stuff, and the Young Bucks have posted a lot of stuff. So AEW is official. They're going to do an all-in-2 show called Double or Nothing. Uh, they're working on a TV spot. I'm going to turn the floor to you, Sean, because you've been covering it extensively and yeah. you know all the details. Tell me what you know so far. So I, I can't 
reveal the couple of people that I've talked to about the situation. You know, Jimmy, because I keep you abreast of the situation, but this is something that we talked about, I think back in October, shortly after SE scoops had kind of reported it. And a person <clears throat> extremely close to the situation said that story has some elements of truth, but it's so far off. Like that's not exactly what's going on. There wasn't that much new information released this week that we couldn't pick up from the trademark filings and assume. But as I told this person, my job isn't to assume. My job is to ask questions and, and find out what we can. This, this is the great dynamic between you and I because I can assume all I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't consider myself a wrestling journalist. And we're going to talk later on about a topic where there's speculation about a certain somebody and whether they're on a payroll or not. And I know that you as a journalist don't really want to speculate. I'm going to speculate because I can you do can. that. You can do that. So that's going to make sure. that that will make this fun. Sean. I'm pretty sure they don't like me already for whatever reason, but hey. Uh, okay. But um, this person, and I think I sent you this conversation back in October when they said these guys just finished doing all in. Why would they work with Jericho and Jr.? And I said, well, with all due respect, I didn't expect the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins to buy the NWA. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect jazz. To be like a headlining name on a pay-per-view. And, and for Corgan, a, for that matter, for Corgan to try to buy Impact when they were bleeding money. Yeah, there's a lot of things in a lot of things that happen, yeah. I don't expect. Yeah. So my job is not to assume. My job is to ask the questions. And they came back and they said there is a story to the J.R. Jericho stuff or the, the, that story. But the J.R. Jericho stuff is so far away. And they asked me, well, what would you do? If you were them, and I was like, how, how is one to know without all the variables, a TV deal, a talent mm-hmm. roster? What'd you get from merchandise? What'd you get from the gate? What was the cut they gave ROH? Uh, what was the sponsorship money? What is it? Well, now we know what it is. It's Tony Khan, one of the mm-hmm. owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars, investing, I've heard a rumored number of $100 million thrown around, uh, into all elite wrestling, which we know right now, Cody, Young Bucks, Brandy Rhodes, Hangman Page are involved in. Scorpio Marty Sky's Sp- got to be, right? Scorpio Sky, Kazarian, Kazarian Daniels. and Christopher Daniels. Yeah. And those are three real good names to have there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's quite a top-heavy roster for all elite wrestling right out of the gate. We've seen Chris Jericho hang, like hanging out with Tony Khan. He's not made it a secret. Jim Ross, I would not be surprised if he is in – he's teasing involvement, but he's also scoffed at it. So long and, as they use him, right? Because he showed with uh, New Japan that he's not. I don't know if you want him to be your your play by play face, but he's got name recognition if they use him right. I agree completely. I'd put him in a Mean Gene role, to be quite frank. So there are reports that there are multiple TV mm-hmm. deals on the table. Uh, I spoke with people at WGN in I think September, who said that they were very impressed with how things went down. And they had been in and out of the wrestling business. They thought they were sold a bill of goods with WDB superstars several years ago. They're back into the wrestling business with Ring Warriors. So that that's a good sign. Also, I, I think, as I mentioned in an article, we would be remiss to not include TNT in those discussions because they have brought one championship MMA onto their network. So they mm-hmm. have to be in the conversation now. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, we don't know what the TV deal is going to be. We know double or nothing is happening. That's a smart idea. Don't know when. Mm-hmm. We also hear that they want involvement with New Japan. But what does that mean for New Japan and Ring of Honor? Mm-hmm. And if you're New Japan, do you look at things and you go, All Elite Wrestling has a way more top heavy roster? 
mm-hmm. if you want if you want three or four people from America and you have access to them, I think you'd want Cody, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page more than you'd want Dalton Castle, the Briscoes, and Jay Lethal. Yeah, all due respect. Oh yeah, and they have a history already. Yeah, so that's a big part of it, I think. So there's just so many moving parts here. Yeah. And then then you have the NWA working with Ring of Honor. You have MLW. All their wrestlers are, are getting signed to deals now, but a lot of them are on different shows. Everybody is on everybody else's shows at this point, and All In was almost a celebration of that. Mm-hmm. What is it going to be now? Will it be just that talent? Who's going to jump? Who's going to move? There's a, an overwhelming sense of optimism within the pro wrestling industry from a talent perspective for this move that I have not seen since I've covered pro wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there, so there's a, a, one of the favorite Sean Ross Sapp sayings is there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And, uh, and there is a lot to unpack here. There's a few things I want to tackle. So first and foremost, uh, I saw a few posts on social media, about oh, this is bad for wrestling. This is bad for wrestling. This is not bad for wrestling. This is good for wrestling because there are going to be more contracts available for talent now than there's been since WCW folded some 17 years ago. Uh, and so, I mean, you already saw, with all due respect to PCO and with all due respect to Brody King, are they getting Ring of Honor contracts? If not for the fact that the Bucks and Cody and Heyman Page left Ring of Honor, zero chance those guys would be offered contracts. So there's going to be a lot more guaranteed money offered to guys because of AEW. And so uh, and so it's a very good thing. Uh, now, I, there's, I want to say a few things. I've been asked by a few people about, oh, you know, what do you think in terms of their their... Uh, their future, like, you know, are they going to succeed? I don't think this is something that you can look at within the first three or six months. I think you got to give it 12 to 16 months because from by the sounds of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like All In 2 is going to be another one-off on pay-per-view, and they're working on a TV deal, which probably wouldn't start until the fall if they get it, which means that they'll work on an All In 2. They'll probably do All In 2 in the summer or something, or maybe late spring, then they'll focus on using that to get the TV deal started in the fall. So you got to give it from the time that the, that the weekly show starts, you got to give it at least 12 months because in the start they're going to have the XFL effect, meaning yeah. they're going to they're going to have the curiosity factor and the eyeballs are going to be there. After a year, are they going to maintain those eyeballs? That's the question. And, uh, and and sorry, let me let me just finish. When when you see guys like Cody and the Bucks getting EVP positions. Executive vice president positions. I look at that and I look at it from the side of the owner and I look at it from the side of the talent. From the talent, of course they're going to take that. Because why wouldn't you? Now you presumably are making a full time salary and they're probably making a full time salary starting now, even though they're not going to be doing anything in terms of a, a product for a few months. So of course you're going to take it. You get to be on the ground floor of a startup and you get to be an executive level position. You're going to take that. What the owner, because Tony Khan's president, right, Sean? Yes. This thing? So, and he's not a wrestling guy. So what he has to be smart about is do not let this be a situation we've seen before where an active talent is given stroke, and they use that stroke to keep themselves in a prominent position. We've seen it with Triple H. We've seen it with Kevin Nash. We've seen it with Hulk Hogan. We've seen it with a whole bunch of guys in the past. they got to be careful that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks don't essentially turn their weekly show into being the elite where they put themselves over every week and they use all this sarcasm and tongue-in-cheek humor that kind of puts themselves over at everybody else's expense, that will not succeed. And so they got to watch that doesn't happen. My gut tells me that the Young Bucks are going to be smart enough and not do that. Yes. But at the same time, you're still taking active talent. You're giving them a political position in the company. So they got to be very smart that uh, that, that doesn't happen. 
Cody Rhodes had the benefit of growing up with a Booker as a father, for better or for worse. Who whatever. was also guilty of the same thing. Yes, but right? uh, I think he's learned from some of the same mistakes as well. Also, they built their platform on building other stars. I mean, they built Hangman Page, and they featured so many people. They really helped Scorpio Sky get over with this national audience to the point where at All In, people said his catchphrase, this is the worst town I've ever been in, along with him. I mean, that's that's not something that would have happened before being the elite. Other aspects to look at. People are going to say, there are always these people, and you've seen them, Jimmy. Oh, WWE doesn't care. They don't care. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean. Oh, they do. They they have been built on caring. Oh, Vince yeah. McMahon, since the 80s, always cares about at least who's number two. Especially with that kind of funding. Yes. They absolutely I, care. And now you also have ring of honor with sinclair broadcast group that, that they got a lot of money too they and outbid, they don't and, yeah and they don't want to be number three in the scenario right? yes they they so. outbid wwe and all elite for bandito who's a 23 year old mexican star who headlined all in i mean that that is a great get for ring of honor that I is bet they, I, I bet you they overpaid for him too they probably did and they yeah. probably knew that they had to yep and I think some of the, the people they brought in with Haskins, Brody King, PCO, those are good additions. I don't know if it fills that void. Right. There's nobody that I look at in Ring of Honor and say that's the next guy. That's the next big yeah, name. They except for build. maybe What do they call that group? Villain Enterprises or something? Yeah, Villain Enterprises. So yeah, they're sure. hoping that's going to be the next big heel group, but yeah. You have Jeff Cobb. That's nice. But New Japan's going to play a big role in this. If All Elite wants to work with New Japan and New Japan says – you know, we'd rather work with Ring of Honor. That's it. In all this, New Japan is the prettiest girl at the prom. They Everybody wants to work with New Japan. Right. From Impact Wrestling trying to pitch it months ago and getting rejected, mm-hmm. that's a whole other aspect. It was yep. a matter-of-factly stated by Dave Meltzer last week, oh, Impact tried to sell to All Elite, but uh, that wasn't Was that a secret. typo? Like, did he mean to say WWE? So that's what Jeremy Lambert, our news guy, wrote. He's like, is this a typo? Because, yeah, it was a secret. And I know that Impact met with WWE about some talks And like they that. utilized their footage on the network. Yes. And another indication of how WWE only cares about who's number two or has funding. Because as soon as Impact wasn't there, they got that footage on the network. Right. But where it wouldn't have been caught dead there 10 years ago. That I look at Impact and I think, man, they've got probably 15 to 20 pieces on that roster that would be very valuable to an All Elite Wrestling, but you don't want to become an Impact rehash. No, absolutely not. You're right. Yeah. And if you look at WWE, because they've been signing so many guys as it is, they don't have room for all these guys. Like, what are you going to do with all these guys? Are you going to sign them to let them sit at home earning a paycheck? Yeah, you know I mean? they don't have room for them all. Like, what are they going to do? Obviously, they want to try to cut the legs out from under these other promotions and grab guys before they can sign them. But that means if they do that, they inevitably have to let somebody else go, right? Yes. And are you yeah. telling me that? No, I'm just pulling a random name like a Zack Ryder or Mojo Raleigh. Are you telling me that those guys wouldn't find work some, somewhere else? They they absolutely would. Especially today, because you got MLW running around out there too. Right. Right. You got NWA trying to establish a presence. You have Ring of Honor wanting to. Keep their cupboard stocked. Right. New Japan, like I said, New Japan doesn't have to worry that much, although I've heard that Okada does not like the new management. Yeah, I remember this. I heard that too, yeah. You yeah. want to talk about a knife in the heart? If New Japan somehow lost Okada, I think that would be brutal to them. I'm not going to say crippling or anything because you never know. 
But does he but, want to work in the U.S. full-time? I don't know. I have no idea what yeah, O'Connor wants. I, I'm not going to pretend that I have any in with him. I yeah. don't know what the guy wants. Yeah. But uh, Let me ask you this question. So uh, next Tuesday, January 8th, it just so happens that WWE is doing SmackDown Live <laughs> in Jacksonville, Florida. And so wouldn't you know that next Tuesday, January 8th, AEW is going to do a rally for uh, Double or Nothing, All In 2, in Jacksonville, Florida. Do you think they're going to play the raid gimmick and show up at the WWF building? No. WWE building? No? no, I think they're going to try to uh, appear as if they're fans, an even plane those... type okay. of thing. Yeah, they, no, want, they want to build themselves as the Nitro. I mean, my God, they've even registered Tuesday Night Dynamite, which that's a whole other aspect. There's going to be a huge gap Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on cable. Yeah. And wrestling. Oh, I think that's their full plan. Yeah. They, they know WWE's moving and they know that come October, there's a shot that some wrestling fans are going to be late to the party and moving to Friday. Mm-hmm. And they're fully hoping to take some of those fans. There's no question about it. That's yeah. And they, they probably should. But yeah, I think they're just going to do it. What I've learned because immediately when stuff like that happens, you know what I do? I look up flights. I look up like how to get there, what it'll be. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, flights are cheap, but it would still be cheaper for us to hire a freelancer to cover that. I have learned that Jacksonville is, in fact, not rich in wrestling journalism. <laughs> Although I, I have talked to a couple people, and as things look, when I get the press information, uh, we likely will have somebody there covering that for us, which which will be nice. But Just find somebody in a nearby town and then just give them a the deal for doing. gas or something. That's- that's what I'm doing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, Or somebody who said that they were going to be there anyway whose work I really like. But right. they've got that. Also, B.J. Whitmer, who just had yeah. a departure from Ring of Honor, he had his hands in so many aspects of that company. And he's already publicly come out about it as well. He's looking like he's going to be there. Also, yeah. there's a fellow that these guys happen to be friends with who is a creative mind in pro wrestling. You can see him at... Zelo Pro Wrestling, January 4th in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Milwaukee Meltdown. Man, too many M's there. <laughs> Jimmy Jacobs, take a listen to part of my interview with him. With Vince McMahon, there's this perception he doesn't listen to anybody. But when I look at the the Asuka, Becky Lynch, Charlotte storyline, I'm like, that's a pretty good indication of him listening to the crowd, listening to what's in tune. And maybe that's frustrating to fans when that doesn't happen more. It seems like they want to go in that direction more. Can you remember a situation where he was like, God damn it, pal. They're behind this person. Let's rock with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of something uh, in particular. Um, see, so when you talk about listening to, to the audience, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing because uh, the audience is not one like it's not a, it's not a monolith. Right. Mm-hmm. Even in even in the writers room, even in the room with with uh, writers and, and, and producers and agents, uh, we can't all agree on, on on who we like and who's good and what we should. So the idea that all the millions of WWE fans have this singular voice is kind of a fallacy. So then you have to say, okay, how do we measure that voice? Is it is it just the the in arena reaction? Well, you know, maybe. I mean, that's one indication. However, uh, uh, supporting the, the WWE. Uh, at a, at a live event is the most expensive way to do it. So those are, those are, are perhaps uh, are, are more diehard fans there uh, yeah, on, on any given night. Uh, so, you know, can you, can you say, hey, maybe by the merchandise sales? Yeah, perhaps um, by, by, the, by the... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Response on the, on the internet? Yeah, that, that's an indication too. Is that a vocal minority? I don't know. So you have to take a, there's, there's a lot of sort of like different factors. Um, and, and, and there's this, there's other, this other, uh, fan, this, 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 uh, almost mysterious, mythical, like the casual fan, the lapsed fan, uh, yeah. the, the fan that, that we're, that we're trying to get that's beyond the barrier of the people that generally watch the show or generally come to the show. So, so there's this like, Hey, what are these people theoretically conceivably maybe, uh, like, and so you have to sort of take a guess at that. Um, I'll say this, man. Um, you know, when when AJ Styles came into to, to WWE, Vince was very skeptical on him for every reason you would think. Uh, but it was Vince, so he came in. I think maybe like well, Royal Rumble, right? Royal Rumble yeah. of uh, of I think sixteen got a great reaction in, in the uh, when he debuted. Vince was still still skeptical. He's like, well, that's just one audience. Uh, and you know, AJ, what's his character? And you know, can he talk? You know, he's got the southern accent. All the you know, nobody knows who he is. All the reasons you would think Vince didn't like him, uh, but it was Vince McMahon uh, who had the idea of having him work with Roman Reigns uh, a couple months later uh, after um, after WrestleMania when when after Roman won the title. Like you know, we had pitched. All right, you figure if Roman just won the title, you want to give him a strong heel. The strong heels we probably had at that point were probably Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens. Uh, but Vince was the one who was like, "We're going with AJ Styles," and so you know, you you have to give the uh, the devil's due in, in those moments. See the full interview with Jimmy Jacobs over on our YouTube. Actually, it's in our uh, it'll be in our shoot interview section of our podcast uh, area on Fightful.com as well. You all can check him out at Zelo Pro Wrestling on Friday, January fourth. He's facing Austin Aries, which is kind of interesting, Jimmy, because Jimmy Jacobs is an impact wrestling writer. And the last time he says that he's actually spoken to Austin Aries was just before Austin Aries walked out on impact wrestling on pay-per-view. Interesting. Well, there you go. So I want to talk about this. This is, this is kind of the unspoken thing being talked about on social media right now. And because Sean is a reputable journalist, he doesn't want to flat out make an accusation. And I have no problem doing that at all. So we're going to talk about this. So someone on Twitter sent uh sent a message to Dave Meltzer on January 1st and the message was congratulations on your new role as a publicist because the rumor is that Dave Meltzer is a paid consultant for AEW which is why he happened to break the news at the strike of midnight stroke of midnight which is right at the same time that Cody Rhodes then posted on on social media about the news as well so that's the speculation. And obviously there's a lot of people talking about the conflict of interest and talking about journalistic ethics and how can you do that when you're a nonpartisan journalist. When somebody tweeted him and said, congratulations on your new role as a publicist, this is what Dave Meltzer replied to them on Twitter. He said, so you didn't read my last analysis piece on the subject. Why do people who don't read come up with the opposite of the last thing I wrote on the subject? So not that I read everything that Meltzer writes and I have a lot of respect for him, but I did check out the most recent Observer and I did not see anything in it about him addressing this rumor. And so I wanted to ask you, Sean, because he, he wrote there that he addressed it or whatever. What has he said about the subject? Because, again, I saw nothing in the most recent Observer about it. I mean, the criticism has been that he likely knew 
for a while and acted like it wasn't a story even after the trademarks dropped. Now, I can't pretend that I am a heavy reader of The Observer. I check out The Observer here and there, but you know, we break our own stories, we have our own stuff, and if something is in there that we don't, then I fact check it and then we we'll, we'll run it. I mean, that's just normally how we do it. I'm not sure the uh, the extensiveness of his coverage. I just want to say the person who did who said that to him working with somebody to break a story I wouldn't put that in publicist territory. That's just natural. There are some people who have preferred outlets in which they, they want their stuff broken. WWE does it all the time. WWE, yeah, all the time. Even yep. when other people break their stories, <laughs> they'll feed it to USA Today and say right. that USA Today broke it. Right. That, that, that happens all the time. The thing is, uh, the rumor is informal consultant, and I don't know. I don't know if he is, if he's not. And if he is, he owes it to his readers or anybody does to say, hey, we are. I think it was – I think I was talking to you. Personally, we turned down a deal with the zone because I didn't feel comfortable pushing their service, which we're going to cover fights on, and us being – it being contingent on the number of subscriptions that we sold. I thought that was too much of a vested interest in the success of – or failure of that product that we are going to be covering, hopefully objectively, and reporting their numbers and reporting on how they do as a business mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, the only MMA companies that I take money from are ones that pay me to do commentary. They receive no extra coverage. Anytime I wrestle, they might get a mention on a podcast, but I'm I'm not taking money from those companies. I don't do that. It's donated or it's given away. I don't want anybody to think that they are going to get preferential treatment because they booked me to wrestle or commentate or anything like that. Separate jobs. From a consultant role, you might have a vested interest in the success of that company, and your coverage might be slanted one way or another. I don't know that Dave has done that. I don't read a ton of his stuff. I, I read here and there, but that's that's the issue. It is it is an ethical issue. And he I don't know that he's come out and said either way. I'm sure I he's don't aware of the rumors. No. I mean, the only thing I'll say about Meltzer, and I, he's never really hid this, but back in the 80s, he used to give coverage to guys that fed him the news. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember, for some reason, Terry Taylor's name comes to my mind. So he would take guys that maybe they weren't not necessarily high on the card, and he would praise them pretty heavily. And then I guess people do, doing their investigative work kind of figured out, okay, that guy's feeding Meltzer, that guy's feeding Meltzer, that guy's feeding Meltzer. Because he would always put them over so heavily in the newsletter. Maybe this is a similar situation where he's, cause he does praise the Bucks a lot. I mean, they named the finisher after him, right? And he praises them a lot and he makes like their matches are the greatest thing in the universe. I'm sure a lot of that is because they feed him information. Whether or not he's paid, that's his business, I guess. I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to come out and, and, and admit it one way or the other. But, uh, who knows? I want to talk about Wrestle Kingdom 13. So Sean was telling me off the air how he's staying up until 6 a.m. Uh, Eastern time this week because the show is taking place at 3 a.m. Eastern time on Friday morning. And I told him, well, good, good for you. I will not be watching live at 3 a.m. on Friday morning. But uh, this is a really big show. On paper, on paper, it might be the biggest show they've ever done. And for me, because I'm not a huge New Japan guy, I always watch the, the big matches or the matches after the fact when I hear that they were good. Otherwise, I'm not a massive New Japan guy. The matches that interest me the most are the ones featuring guys in a bit of a contract situation. So that's just kind of what I what, what interests me. So on this show, for example, IWGP title, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. I'm very interested in that because Kenny Omega is still the wild card. 
Yeah. And, and, and there's still a lot of speculation. And you and I, for how many weeks on this show have we talked about their contracts? And how many weeks on the show have I said, he's the only one that's the question mark? Like for weeks we've talked about Cody's probably going to do the uh, the the new venture. The Young Bucks are probably going to do the new venture. Omega is at an age now where he wants to cash in. And so he's the one guy that I could see going to WWE. So I'm very interested to see what happens in that matchup. Then another one is the IWGP Intercontinental title, Jericho Naito. That one is of interest to me too. Because even though I could see Jericho thinking, oh, this new venture and, you know, Tony Khan's funding it and I like being part of new stuff and making history and all that crap. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be locked down by anybody. And so I'm curious, you know, maybe he would sign something U.S. only or maybe he would just agree to, who knows, right? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm curious what happens with that one. Uh, Cody Rose, Juice Robinson, he's got to drop the U.S. title yeah. now that he's going to be doing this new thing. He's hey, man, pay- too. What's that, sorry? Injured. He's got a torn meniscus. Is he still injured? Yeah, he never had surgery. He okay. held it off, I believe. So that's that. Then uh, the Young Bucks are in the tag title match with the Gorillas of Destiny and Evil and Sonata. And then Hangman Page is part of the gauntlet match on the pre-show. Six-man gauntlet match. Yeah. Uh, so uh, those are the matches that interest me based on contracts. I know there's some really big matches on the show like Will Ospreay and all that. But contract-wise, those ones interest me. I'm going to make quick predictions so I can isolate this in another video. We have a never open weight six man tag team championship where the winners get a, a title shot at New Year Dash, which is their raw after WrestleMania. I could see Skrull, Page, and Takahashi winning that and then losing the next night. Cody and Juice Robinson, Juice has to win that. Gorillas of Destiny versus Evil and Sonata and the Young Bucks. I think Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga is going to be one of their big guys moving forward. So mm-hmm. definitely him. Ibushi and Will Ospreay, I think it's going to be Will Ospreay, but that is a match. Apparently they're it, opening the card with that, the, the pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going to follow it, so I kind of don't right? blame it. That's going to be a match of the year contender immediately. Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr., uh, probably Sabre for this RPW British Heavyweight Championship. But the fact that every single match almost always has a title in New Japan does bother me a little bit. Seems like a participation medal. One that doesn't. Switchblade Jay White, by the way, exclusive up right now, making a finisher, Jay White, up on the website, up on YouTube. Please check it out, retweet the story. I think he's going to beat Okada because I think they want him to be the big deal. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho against Naito for the IC title. Naito is going to get that back. Kushida and Ishimori. Kushida is the safe option, but I think Ishimori ends up winning that. They want to put some more stock into him. And Omega Tanahashi, ah, oh, I kind of think Tanahashi's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I do. Do we know when uh, Omega's contract is up? No, I assume and it's it, up. I assume it's up before January twenty seventh. And I mean, he's that. That's another thing about him and his contract. I mean, he was under New Japan contract and pretending that he was a free agent at one point. So, I mean, who, whoever really knows? Yeah. I mean, he would be one of the guys that I would... It's it's like I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a rumble entrant, but I wouldn't be surprised not to either, you know? So, let's go to Stupid People, Nigel. Okay. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. All right, thanks again to TrevorStrong.org, the, uh, the writer and producer of the Fightful.com song which we don't yet use, and we should. So we'll figure yeah, something out. We'll figure something out with that. Jimmy. 
Oh, I, I, I have, uh, I've laid the messaging out to Melissa and Nigel, <coughs> so they know what I want. I so, use it for our intro on, like, interview clips and stuff now. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Okay. So this first one, this was reported by CP24 out of good old Toronto, Canada on January 1st. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Rocco Rossi. And he Damn, is... I, thought, I thought you were going to say uh, he had his tag team partner Johnny Grunge with him. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> yeah. Rocco Rossi, he's the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. It's kind of like a, a union, and they oversee uh, the trade units and, and Chamber of Commerce units across the province of Ontario and Canada. And he's the CEO. Uh, on New Year's Eve, he posted and has since deleted this tweet. Go ahead and put that up. It says, celebrating New Year's the one percenter way. Let them eat cake. And it's got a picture of a bottle of champagne and then some caviar and whatnot. Unbelievable. So do you understand the reference? The one percenter way? I mean, I assume it's not an EC3 reference, but... He's talking about the top 1% yeah, of income of earners. Yeah, I That's know. what he's talking about. Like a blithering fool bragging about making a lot of money and posting a bottle of champagne. As you can imagine, it didn't go over well. Oh, I uh, imagine But not. what made it even worse, and boy, is he getting blistered in the local news today, because what made it even worse was his little counter-tweet that he put up. Oh, no. Post that one, Nigel. He said, I sent a tweet out on New Year's Eve that was meant to be satirical, but in retrospect was insensitive and caused offense. I sincerely apologize for the tweet as it was never intended to offend. Uh, bullshit that was meant to be satirical. Bullshit. What that was was an asshole that had a little bit too much alcohol in him posting on Twitter on New Year's Eve, then getting shit on by it, realizing, boy, that was dumb, taking it down, and then saying, oh, I'm sorry, that was meant to be satire. Bullshit. I'm all too acquainted with how expensive it is to be in Toronto. I hear it from people who who work there, live there. <laughs> I don't think that's a very. Sean, that, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I I I'll be the first to tell you that I've been very blessed and 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 uh, and I've been very fortunate with my company. But at the same time, I was a guy that did not come from money, and I had a lot of lean years when I was a younger guy. And I know what it's like to not make a lot of money. You yeah. will never catch me, whether I'm drunk or not. You'll never catch me posting something stupid like that on social media because, again, I, it's just so – I don't know if he's like comes from a family of money or whatever, but that is the dumbest thing. And uh, I wish I had the power to boot him from his position because I would do it happily. Cause it was I so mean, when I, when I jokingly talked about your finances on the podcast, I, I've went away from that because I know that you don't like to flaunt that type of thing. No, no. I'm, I'm probably wearing from head to toe $100 worth of clothes, including my shoes. Let me see. I don't at all. I got you beat. Yeah, I, I think you probably do. I, I was not thrifty in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, this was sent in by uh, one of our viewers, Andrew Monahan, and it was reported by KFOR Oklahoma 4 on December 20th. This is good. You might have heard this because it went viral, Michael. Okay. Okay. There's a woman in Muncie, Indiana, and she was arrested on two counts of neglect of a dependent. In this case, it was about her two sons, age seven and four. Okay. What do you think she did that got her arrested on two counts of neglect of a dependent? I haven't heard this one. Have you heard this one, Sean? No. Uh, she left them home alone, watching Home Alone. <laughs> How old were they? Seven and four. <clears throat> yeah, that's too young, man. Yeah. Left them home alone, watching Home Alone. Did they set traps? They might. Well, they might as well have. Maybe Joe Pesci came to visit. I don't know. <laughs> They, uh, there was a concerned neighbor that tipped off police and they showed up at the home and there were the two kids and, uh, they called the mother. She was at work. 
She said, oh, I couldn't get a babysitter, so I just kind of left him home alone, watching home alone. Uh, yep. Yep. This last one, this is for the SRS file. Oh, yeah. It was reported by the Associated Free Press on December 29th. Melissa, if she was producing this week, would appreciate this, because she always likes it when dicks fall off. Oh! So she would appreciate this story. Uh, there's a 47-year-old woman out of Mumbai, India. And her and, dick uh, fell off! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, close. So she was getting harassed by a 27-year-old neighbor. Because a lot of these fucked up stories, as I've talked about, they come from India and China. And so th- there's, there's some interesting characters in these places. So a 27-year-old neighbor was harassing her. The guy repeatedly sought sexual favors, and he even told her husband that he wanted her. One day, she got tired of it. And what she did was, actually, I'm going to ask you. She got tired of it. What do you think she did? And I already kind of gave you a bit of a hint. Wow. But, there, but there's a nice twist on it, though, that makes it funny, funnier. What she did was she sought the help of two men in the neighborhood. They lured the guy into an industrial area. Then they attacked him, held him down. She cut off his dick. And then after she did it, this is the funny, like, side story of it. She immediately regretted it, rushed him to the hospital where they saved his life with emergency surgery, and then she got arrested. Conflicted on this one, man. Conflicted. Because, I mean, man, at what point do you just have enough? And, I don't know, would, would, what would the police do over there? Would they help her? Did they help her? Uh, So the last I heard, she was in police custody. I mean, before that. I mean, what? Uh, I think oftentimes, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but I don't think they go to the cops. And is sexual harassment even a crime? It's a pain in the ass. It's gross. But is it a crime? Over there, I don't know, man. Oh, know. man. Things are different, you know? You would Pakistan think she... is the worst. Like, all, all the fucked up stories come out of Pakistan. You'd think but... she'd at least get her husband to, like, tell the guy to back off, like, before that. I mean, maybe the, I mean, if she's 47, maybe your husband's 47 and the neighbor's 27, and maybe he was afraid he's going to get his ass kicked. I mean, you well, don't know. We talk about the wrestling landscape, Jimmy. It's good to see that Yamaguchi's son and Kai and Ty are still getting bookings in India. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, okay, I don't want to turn this into an MMA podcast. Oh, We've got yes. about nine minutes left. I don't want to turn this into an MMA podcast, but um, the John Jones thing. Yeah. What do you think, Sean? I, th- I think that enough of our listeners, even if they're not MMA people, they're probably familiar with this one. So I'm going to dumb it down for Nigel, who's not really an MMA fan. So you, have you heard of John Bones Jones? I UFC I fighter? Yeah. So he uh, has had a long problem with PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. And, and what recreational happened, drugs. Well, yeah, that too. Recreational drugs too. And what happened was he fought last weekend at UFC 232. It was his triumphant return after like a two-year suspension. Okay. Uh, leading up to the fight, first it came out that he failed another test. Uh, then they tried to cover it up by saying, no, 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 that was like residue from his failure two years ago. Uh, and there's something called the pulsing effect that, uh, according to that, uh, your muscles secrete... Uh, uh, trace amounts of it, even like a year and a half after you took it. Oh. And so the uh, California State Athletic Commission and USADA, which is the independent group that does the testing, they would not punish him because they said, no, 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 no. This was not a new a new uh, drug that he took. Yeah. This is from a year and a half ago. The Nevada State Athletic Commission said a failure is a failure. He failed it again. We're not going to sanction him for this show. And the show was in Las Vegas. So a week out, one week out, the UFC moved the entire show to Los Angeles 
because California would sanction him. The president of the UFC, Dana White, didn't even have the courtesy of telling the rest of the fighters on the card, by the way, we're moving it to L.A. They found out on uh, by social media. Uh, A lot of the fighters came out and said, maybe we should uh, uh, not go to the show because we already booked flights for our family. We booked hotel rooms for our family. The UFC is not reimbursing any of that, apparently. And then the president of the UFC, Dana White, at the pre-fight press conference said, we will never compromise our business by move, by moving a show for one guy or one fight. When in reality, they moved the show for one guy and one fight. What do you think? Do you think he failed the new test? There's also precedent where fighters in the past, Nigel, that failed for a, a lesser amount than he did this time, were given two-year suspensions. He failed for more than they did this time, got zero suspension this time. Whereas he should have gotten up to eight years for a third offense. I don't think it's a coincidence. (laughs) I I don't think that one of the all-time biggest piece of shits in MMA also just happens to have the worst luck ever with bad drug tests. I I don't think that's the case. And it gets worse because first they said, oh, he failed this one test. Then it came out like a day or two before. Actually, he failed a couple of other ones a couple of months ago. Oh, by the way, out of competition wow. test in 2014 for Coke, which they weren't supposed to test for anyway. Right. Failed a test last year, failed a test the year before that. Uh, one time he fled the scene of a hit of, of an accident where he hit a pregnant woman in a car, oh, yeah. uh, came back to get his weed pipe out of the car. Oh, before yeah. that, he had a DUI where he wrecked into a light pole. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you're going to look at it strictly from the, the the standpoint of policy, this should have been a third test failure. Nevada would not license him, so it should have been a third test failure, and it should have been up to an eight-year suspension. The second time was supposed to be up to four years for a second offense, uh, and they got it down to what seventeen months, Sean? Yeah, and they, and, yeah, I, and they did it, and they did it because he snitched on some other fighters. He provided, he provided state's evidence, is what they right. said, and my question is. If their take is that he unknowingly took these substances, then what evidence does he have to overturn to begin with? He doesn't have any. Uh, it's it's weird. It he he had a, he had a hearing before the uh, before the California State Athletic Commission. He had no proof that he didn't take anything. He had no explanation at all. And uh, and I will say this. So I saw the fight on the weekend, and the things that he does in the cage, you don't need PEDs to do those things because a lot of it is a mental game. Yeah, and he's a Excellent fighter, maybe the best ever, and he's really good at the mental game. And like he'll look you, he'll look at your waist and the kicking the head kind of thing. Like he's really good at that aspect. PEDs are not going to help him with that. The fact of the matter is, he failed a third time, and yeah. and rather than penalize him, the UFC moved the entire show to a different state. Yeah, the whole thing smells dirty. Well, how about this? This is kind of cool. He is the only champion in the UFC right now who has failed a drug test. Really? Cyborg. Yeah, because Cyborg lost Cyborg the title, right? And, right. Uh, just, just the shift in everything. He is the only. It was very dirty, and then, and then the fact that the at the pre-fight press conference, he said, "You can remove the asterisk next to my name." No, you can't. No, you can't. As much as I would love it, man, he's, I, he and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson are the two single most impressive fighters I've ever seen in my life. But you can't take the asterisk away. You can't. No. I mean, if not for those failures, I'd call him the best ever because not only did he beat all the best guys in the weight class, but he did it decisively every time. Like, he dominated some of the best fighters in the history of the business. 
But uh, that's so suspect that that all happened and that they moved the show and didn't tell the rest of the fighters. And I think there's no coincidence that they have their new TV deal with ESPN starting, I think it started January 1st. Yep. And right now they have really no box office stars because Conor McGregor may never fight again. And so I think that they felt pressure like we have to have John Jones because we really have nobody else. And if, and if he gets suspended, we're fucked. And so yeah. I, I really believe that, that that all kind of, you know, lined up and that that was the reason for all of this. But it smelled dirty to me. And uh, this whole pulsing effect thing, basically what this tells you, Sean, is that from now on, whenever anybody fails a drug test, they can say, oh, no, 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 I took that a year and a half ago. And it's just my muscles are just secreting it now. Yeah. That's what they can say. So Man, I, I call bullshit. The hook when I secrete like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, One more thing some, for you. Some people have all the luck. One more thing for you. Um, Brock Lesnar. So Dana White at the post-fight was asked about Brock Lesnar. He said um, he's not out of the picture. That's what he said. But he said, I feel like he leverages the UFC and WWE, which is, he of course, does. what he does. He said, I think this man keeps on throwing money at him. I've asked you, Sean, how many times do you think on this podcast, do you think Brock's going to fight in the UFC? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always say, I think he will. Yep. And it won't shock me if he does, but I tend to think he won't. I think he will. I, I tend to think when I saw how big he was at the Survivor Series, and, and he did the thing in the cage with Daniel Cormier, and now he's not even in, in the discussion for Daniel Cormier, I don't think he's going to fight again. I think that he used it as leverage to get a new wrestling but he's still deal. He's still in the testing pool. Because, so. Well, because he'd be stupid not to be, especially if he's trying to leverage it to get as much money as he can. Yeah. And then what happened with that test that they lost or something? What was that? <laughs> they say it was a was an error. They but it was a, probably a failure, given yes. how big he was at the Survivor Series, right? Yeah. So, but uh, what a dirty know. business! And this is supposed to be a Usada, <laughs> Nigel. Usada is supposed to be a, a, a third party, nonpartisan group that they're using to make sure their fighters are clean. That's right. what they're supposed to be. And all they've done is show you, yeah, but if they fail a test, we'll just buy our way out of it, and we'll just move the show to another state and. You know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah, it's, it's 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 that's the real world. Remember when we had that fight about about the real world and backroom politics and shit? That's exactly what that is. Exactly what it is. It's a wild UFC story. UFC getting new title belt soon though. Hey. And they're really announcing it now, right? Yeah, in Brooklyn they say that this slowed everything down, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I actually really like the ones they have with the gold and silver plates. Yeah, I think they've had him for so long, though, it is time to, to move on. Also, I think it's time for WWE to move on for Brock Lesnar and his role as champion. Absolutely, absolutely. He shouldn't have won it back. He shouldn't you have won can't it back. launch this new, new, new listening to fans and then still do that. Absolutely. These guys need a prize, a top prize to fight for on Monday Night Raw yep. where your three hours gets real goddamn lonely. I was telling Nigel off the air, Jimmy, Yep. this – the last two Mondays were the first Mondays I haven't had to cover Raw live in God, I think these were the first two Raws I've missed live in eight years. Yep. And I got through them in an hour and ten minutes each without entrances and without commercials and without promo videos I've seen two hundred times. Mm-hmm. Man, it's it's hard to digest that show and I saw how much more enjoyable it is in a condensed condensed manner. They have Rousey right now headlining the live events. Sure and I guarantee you that I guarantee you this year her schedule is going to deplete. Like it's she, she's going to cut dates, 
And so they need to have a proper main event for those live events because you're not going to have her. And Dean Ambrose, with all due respect to him, you can't have him headlining. So Becky Lynch can headline at this point, I think. Oh, but she, I think yeah, she could. But she's the other brand. So like also, for Rob, they got to get the Universal title back on the live event. Also, Daniel Bryan's on the same show that she's on, so. I think you got to spread that out a little bit more. I think that SmackDown is better off in that regard. But yeah, Ronda Rousey quietly worked 48 matches last year. Right. That's that's pretty impressive. That's not something anybody expected. Right. Uh, you look back at Brock Lesnar. Good God! But you could probably go back. Let me see how far it's been. And she didn't start until April. You got to keep that she, in mind. Yeah, too. she didn't start until April. To get 48 matches from Brock Lesnar, you got to go all the way back to Royal Rumble 2014. So virtually since September of 2013, Ronda Rousey has wrestled the same number of matches as Brock Lesnar. That's amazing. I mean, that's the deal they gave him. I don't blame Brock one bit. Yeah, this, guys, this, is, this is on Miss McMahon. Guys, I'll, do, I'll be doing the Fightful Report podcast tonight. Warren has the NXT 205 Live podcast tonight on Fightful Select. Uh, we have the Weekender podcast where we review non-WWE stuff. We had that exclusive on uh, Beyond Wrestling getting their TV deal on Select or their their independent wrestling uh, .TV deal, rather. They're doing a weekly show. Subscribe to Fightful Select, the most direct way to support us. But also leave a thumbs up on this video. Subscribe. Share our stories, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter. I'm making more of an effort to uh, accelerate our Facebook. I'm trying to jump into that a little bit more in this new year, so... Help you boys out. Jimmy, you got anything else? Going to Vegas on the weekend. Ooh. It's my annual uh, trade show there that I'm so sick of going to. Vegas has worn off on me. This is, is like that... 13. This is like 13 years in a row, Sean. Is that the one from the clip that I found? Yes, that was Vegas. Oh. Yeah. Top offers, top payouts, top affiliates. Ah, uh, it's been so long and I'm so tired of Vegas, but I have to go. So I'm going on Saturday. Guys, thank you all so much. Until next time, Stupid People Extended on Fightful Select is up next. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.